And if we are living in today's time and don't realize that people are operating in digital spaces, then one, we're not really aware of how digitized things are around about us. So we got to, one, become aware of just how digitized things are around us. And then we got to get to the point that once we realize that, how do I then now take what I do so that it lives in that spaces and I don't die out? Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We're able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Center for Congregations podcast. I'm Matt Burke, the Education Director and the Northeast Director for the Center for Congregations. And with me is Ben Tapper. Hey, Ben. You know, every week I give you a superlative, some sort of like word, you're indescribable, you're incomparable. And then every time you intro us, I'm just Ben Tapper. I mean, what, when is it going to be reciprocated? That's that's really all I'm asking here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not hyperbolic, man. I guess. Uh, hey, Matt, good to be key. here. <laughs> and the best I can do, here's a good guy, Ben Tapper. <laughs> I will take it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we're pleased to be back in 2022. And today we're talking about digital media in congregations. And uh, I've got a really good interview with a couple of actually two practitioners in digital media and people who are heavily invested in congregations. But as always, before we get there, we'll talk a little bit about how we're encountering and engaging with the question of digital media and congregations in our work. So Ben, where have you seen that popping up over the last 12 months, give or take? I mean, it's basically been everywhere, you know, almost every congregation that I can think about working with or talking to has had this on their mind in some way, shape or form, thanks due to the now infamous pandemic. Side note, I think I've shared this with you, Matt, you know, so for our listeners, a little glimpse into my mind, there's this new-ish variant now, or the most recent one that I'm aware of at the end of 2021 called Omicron, Omicron, something like that. And every time I hear it or see it spelled out, my brain autofills Omarion. And so you can imagine I have a very interesting reaction to seeing and hearing this COVID variant named all the time. I just think of like Omarion dancing in the rain or Omarion in the Icebox music video. And so I, I get a chuckle to myself. For those of you that know who Omarion is, I hope you now chuckle as well. And it brings a little levity to the pandemic situation that continues to persist. Anyway. Back to my work. <laughs> you know, every congregation I talk with is thinking about this, is trying to understand how do we continue to stay relevant uh, when it comes to digital media? How are we using our social media platforms, our Facebook, our Instagram, Twitter? What do we do with TikTok? How do we improve our websites? What needs to be on the website? I mean, these are questions that are perpetually... What is TikTok? <laughs> TikTok. You know, there's at least one or two <laughs> congregations thinking about TikTok. <laughs> 
By the way, you can find some great animal videos on TikTok, just saying. So congregations are thinking about this and wanting to know how to make the most of this opportunity and how to make the most of this time so that they can not only stay relevant, but maybe more importantly, ensure that they're getting their message out and that they're able to create and recreate community when sometimes community is really hard to come by. Is it playing out the same way for you up in the Northeast? Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, it's a question that's just about every congregation that we encounter. It's on their minds. And one of the things I see is almost a helplessness at times because it's such a big topic. Yeah. And there's just so much to it from live streaming to social media to, you know, creating online devotionals and how do we do recordings and what does it mean to be in community yet we're accessing this stuff during the week and we're not doing it together. So there's just a lot to it. And as someone who's not someone who regularly partakes of social media, I can understand that tension because it's a foreign subject. It's almost like speaking a different language. Yeah. And as someone who doesn't engage in it, it's hard to understand the mindset of people who do engage in it. And I'm genuinely, legitimately not criticizing, but it's just, I don't understand the mindset uh, because I mean, I'm a Gen Xer. There are people in my age category who engage heavily and regularly in social media. Oh yeah. Y'all love Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me and my Gen Xers, we, we love our Twitter. We love the tweets, <laughs> but it's hard to get into the mindset of what do we do here? Because we don't know the rules of the game. In fact, that's one of the things that keeps me even from engaging in Twitter because, like, I don't understand the rules of the game and how to engage. And so, therefore, I just don't bother because it's just foreign territory to me. And I think that's just where a lot of congregations are right now that we've not done this. We don't understand how to do this. We know people do it well. We know there are ways to do it. But it's almost a paralysis because you're not sure what are the first steps. How do we do it right? How do we make this accessible? How do we make it engaging? How do we create community with it? Just so many questions along those lines that are really unanswered. Yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty steeped in social media. I I spend far too many hours each day on it. And I still don't know the answers to those questions because it's frankly different, you know, versus you're using it for your personal use versus trying to use it for a congregation or a business. You know, I've got a a business that I started a couple years ago and we don't have a great social media presence because none of us really know how to use it for business purposes. And so there's a learning curve, I think, for a lot of people, but I can see especially why that would be the case for congregations, which is why this topic, the conversation that we were able to have with Adrian and Didi was really important. Yeah. And just a note of encouragement for everyone. There are so many congregations that are in the same boat as yours because There are some that are just absolutely killing it, that maybe have somebody on staff who handles social media or has an entire tech department. I mean, yes, those congregations exist, but by and large, the number of congregations who are trying to move into this space are brand new to it and figuring it out. And so you're not alone in that. And so there's plenty of opportunity just with small tweaks and changes to do things a little bit better. And we'll talk on the back end of today's podcast about some very specific ways, very specific things that you can do to kind of boost your presence a bit in that space. But don't beat yourself up. Don't be afraid to experiment. And don't be afraid to fail, in all honesty, because we're all trying to figure out what does it mean to be a congregation in this new world that COVID has pushed us into. All right, so let's go ahead and get to the interview with Dee Dee Gray and Adrian Warren.
Welcome back, everyone. And we are pleased to have with us Didi Gray, the founder and CEO of Kingdom Solution, a multimedia consulting and support service. Hi, Didi. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. And we also have Adrian Warren, who's the president and CEO of Vessel Entertainment, which is a brand development firm. And he's also the digital sales manager at Radio One. Adrian, we're so pleased to have you. Oh, so glad to be with you today, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to talk with both of you because you both did an education event for us a little while back on digital media and congregational life. And I just think there's a lot that congregations are wrestling with or grappling with right now that so much of congregational life has moved online and there's so many questions. So I just wanted to bring you both on and chat about that a little bit. So I think where we'll start is just based on each of your background and expertise, where do you see congregations needing to leverage digital media and technology better in what they're doing? Well, I think what we really was awakened to is the fact that our consumers, and for the sake of congregations and churches, our consumers are our congregants, are the people that we serve, are the people who are part of our congregations. And I think before the pandemic, we only saw them, well, some of us only saw them as it relates to them coming to the physical building. But I think what really happened is, is that we realized that the church does have arms that reach beyond our building. And we thought about that as it relates to missionaries. We thought about that as it relates to being in the street. But I think what the pandemic did was it forced us to realize that they also live in the digital space, right? Because outside of church, our congregants lived and digested digital media. And I think we weren't aware of how we could really maximize that until we were put in a position that we had to realize that, hey, we need to be here because our congregation is there. And maybe they're consuming TV, maybe they're consuming videos, or maybe they're consuming whatever it is on social media, but we probably have not done our best to make sure our messaging lives in those places and that we're really feeding congregations as well as ministering to new people, we're using it as an opportunity to shepherd, disciple, and to witness to new people. So you think that there's been a gap where congregants have been online and just congregational leaders have not been in those spaces to interact or interface with them? Yeah, not not as much as what we all were forced to do as a result of the pandemic. I think we only looked at that as being exclusive pastors, right? Mm -hmm. Not realizing that, no, (laughs) there's a demand for me, the local guy. This is more than a high-profile ministry. All of us need to be here. And because my congregation is there, I need to be there to talk to my congregation there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Didi, what about from your perspective? Where do you see congregations needing to leverage digital media and technology better? I definitely echo Adrian in a lot of different ways in that regard as related to the pandemic. I believe it created for many ministries, congregations to be deliberate in this space, to have an intentionality towards the digital space that it was not just clicking the button and turning on a stream, but it was the intentionality now to be deliberate to create online community. Mm. And one of the phrases that I remember at the onset of the pandemic that I heard a pastor mention in an annual conference that I would attend, it was on site and they had to make a hard pivot because this was the pandemic started in March This conference was in April, so it was one of the very first virtual events, online events, and the pastor 
said, very forward and very transparent and deliberate and, and almost as a charge to the big letter C church. He said, the church has been deployed. And that was something that stayed with me throughout this time because we operate sometime in these silos as our church, just within our four walls. And ironically, the church that hosted that event was named the Church Without Walls. So I think there was great messaging right there in it in Revelation that we were being, we being the big letter C church, was being pushed outside of the walls, that the pandemic was to serve this purpose and to help us to touch in a touchless time. Little did we know at that moment, it was going to be almost two years later, right? So I think within this time, it forced churches to have to make a pivot, some of them very hard pivots. And that's the joy that comes out of this work, to be able to provide a roadmap or to be a guide, a strategy, a resource, and to meet ministries wherever they are in this space and to help them maximize the moment. And I think there's been a lot of learning lessons and successes in that we will not leave in the pandemic, that it will help the church to continue to forge ahead and to continue to evolve in this space and continue to take the message to the world and be more open to the method. And that being one of those methods being the digital space. I've heard a lot of congregations talk about adapting, reaching broader audiences by embracing the digital space more. But I can't help but think mm-hmm. that that might be uneven in different communities. You know, certain communities, maybe their communities mm-hmm. of color, their lower income might not have the same type of internet access that other communities have. And so the digital space for congregations might operate a little differently. And so can you all just talk about what you've seen in terms of that unevenness and how congregations have adapted when access to internet or digital content is maybe limited? That is such a great observation, Ben, and it is the reality. One of the ministries that I serve lives in the most challenged socioeconomic crime-ridden high poverty and lack of education. And as you mentioned, access, one of the highest rates in the state of Indiana, 46218. And so the main campus of that ministry, Eastern Star Church, is aware of that and sensitive to that. And so they operate in such a way that they know they have to be multidimensional and have to be very creative in the approach to how they communicated during this time because there were a lot of services that are provided like as this being the hub if you will where the care center is located for people for their food pantry and for rental assistance and counseling and so forth there's a school on the campus there's a youth center going up there was COVID testing and vaccination clinics that was happening during this time so they had to maximize different modes of communication And then being one church located on three campuses, fortunately for this particular ministry, there were resources and people in place. But even for them, it was still a pivot to be mindful of what you just described, you know, is that lack of access. So there was the sensitivity that even in promoting and communicating in the spaces, they had to still give value and attention to all the modes of communication that they had and that being inclusive still of social media, 
still using their phone tree and their email and using just good old fashioned postal service as well to get out information. And so it just created, I think, the sensitivity that all of your communication during this time when you cannot touch people and people can't walk out to the life center, if you will, and come to the information table, you had to be even more deliberate and again, intentionality to offer all the modes of communication and be able to master that and do it well to be able to touch everybody where they are, regardless of, you know, again, that access piece. Thanks for speaking to that. It's not something I've heard a lot of folks speak to or talk about really since the inception of the pandemic. And so I've, I've just been curious about how congregations are playing that out. So it's good to hear a flagship congregation here in central Indiana, like Eastern Stars, is aware of that and has kind of been adapting to it. I do wonder what that means for other congregations, maybe smaller congregations that don't have the... The bandwidth. Yeah, the bandwidth. Thank you, Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I think the pandemic and what we're saying really did. I think once people started realizing what's in their hand, the only thing that some churches may have needed to do was maybe find someone in their membership with the aptitude and the commitment to use some of these items. But some of these items were really in the palm of their hands. If you think about it, how many billions of people are on Facebook? How many billions of people are on Instagram and on Twitter? And I think, you know, what we learned is that, hey, going to back to how we started, our members live in those social spaces. And so how can we integrate the use of those social spaces? Because where they may not have an internet at their home, or they may not have a laptop or computer in their home, we are living in an age where many people do have a mobile phone, or they have some type of phone. They may not have a landline, but they have a mobile phone. And I think to Didi's point, that's when people were, if I can pick up the phone to now call people, then I also can create something inside of that digital space. And I think that's not whether you have a large church or a small church, anybody can create a tent pole, right? In that digital space. And anybody can now start to have a creative way of how they're going to generate content. They may not necessarily, they may have to look within their congregation and see who has the best aptitude to manage those spaces. But there's nothing about those access points that keeps them from doing that because most things to those places are free. Right. And maybe I don't have a website. I don't have a website manager. And I maybe don't have it in my budget to manage a website. If I live and integrate my messaging in social spaces, which are free, which I know my congregation lives in, then I can manage that communication. And then I would add to that. And thank you for that space and angle, Adrian, because it really harkens back to our experience with the Center for Congregations. You know, when we talked about and spoke with and engaged with ministries of all different types of backgrounds and geographical locations and small, medium, large, and again, with resources or so forth. And then just those who live from one extreme to the other. And it was about entering that space 
And I'm appreciative of Center for Congregation to create the space for us to hold together and to brainstorm, to process, to think through, to give those considerations and those ideas and how to reimagine ministry, how to be creative, how to maximize what you have. In fact, that first workshop was called, you know, use what's in your hand, what is in your hand. And so, you know, we were able to explore that and help people to discover solutions, right? No, shameless plug, (laughs) but solutions to help them to find kingdom solutions to be able to operate in this space and engage probably you know, within this time and within the pandemic to help them engage more people than they likely see on a Sunday morning sometime. And that means no matter what the size of the ministry, this was allowing them when it was about the perspective of the situation, about changing the perspective, it helped them with the approach because the ministry could see the end goal in mind, the outcome being that we can stay connected, right, to not just our congregation, but here's another extension for us to reach beyond that border and outside the walls of our church and potentially minister to more people than we've probably ever seen on a Sunday morning. So again, I think it was about helping people to recognize and leverage what you have in your hand and who you have in the virtual house. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, I'm curious, Adrian, to speak to the part of the event that you handled. How do congregations get found? online. So I think that's maybe something that they're curious about because, you know, you've got things in your hand, you have ways of broadcasting your message or being on social media, but what are the ways that people find you then in the mix of everyone who's out there? Absolutely. So the one thing that we talked about was SEO, search engine optimization, right? And so we realized this when we looked at what's in the palm of our hand, mobile phones, and most people doing searches, we talked about just how casually, once again, you know, you're talking to your friends and you'll say something, you go, Hey, let me look that up real quick. And you just pull out your phone and you start searching. Mm -hmm. None of us ever really thought about before the pandemic, the importance for me as a church to make sure then I need to show up in searches, you know? So what do I need to do to optimize my presence in the search place? And so, you know, we talked about websites, And we talked about at this point, Google owns the largest percent of search engines, period. There are other alternatives, but when you look at the landscape of who has the most search inventory, Google maximizes that inventory. And in maximizing that inventory, they kind of control what people are looking for. Now, here's one thing that they talked about in 2021 and are really pushing for in terms of 2022 as it relates to marketing is whether or not sites are integrated, right? Before we were just taught that just to have a placeholder that just said, here's who we are. But now if we're going to optimize our appearance in the digital space, then we have to now make sure our websites now meet Google's criteria so that when someone is randomly searching, we can start to show up. You know, Google is looking for integrated sites. What do we mean by integrated sites? Do the sites integrate with other social media platforms outside of itself? Is there good conversation on these sites? We did a demonstration where if someone was looking for childcare, how we searched right then, we were able to see automatically what churches in your particular regions that showed up who had childcare. So we talked about how do we tickle the things that are on our church, on our websites, on our social media pages? What are those things that we specialize in as a church? Yeah, as a church, 
or as a ministry, we may serve all things to all people, but there are certain areas or there are certain ways of ministry that we are more successful in. And for that, we want to make sure we maximize that. So if someone just randomly is out there searching, we can now come up to the top of the search list because we're providing that solution. So we talk to people about learning how to highlight what are the benefits of what you provide in your church or your ministry? And how do you need to use keywords? How do you need to use hashtags? How do you need to use mm -hmm. your events with a digital hybrid or on-site events that cause people to want to see them when they're searched? You know, how do I engage across other platforms? For instance, if the city has an event calendar, have I been smart enough now to, and smart, not meaning that you're not smart, but <laughs> have I been strategic enough to now send my event to the city's events calendar? Right. You know, sometimes we don't even think about sending our events to the city's events calendar because now that people are searching in a digital space, it's a little bit more than what happens on the physical site. But now we're thinking in the mentality of people are definitely much more hybrid and definitely much more digital engaged. Even the older members of our congregation have learned to be more savvy. You know, what we learned in research is that more generation Xers and baby boomers have become more digitally engaged as a result of the pandemic. And they've accelerated, you know, activity in the digital space as a result. It's no longer a millennial thing. It's no longer a generation Z thing, you know, everybody is here. And so it's about tailoring our conversations to all of those people and making sure we rise to the top in search engine. Because to my point, and I'm going to shut it off. I get so happy. <laughs> you know, to that point, just the fact that you gave your event information to a city calendar believe it or not, once you match it to your own web page, even from a larger web page, that causes more views to come to your smaller page because you've engaged in a page outside of yourself. So it's thinking more strategically, mm -hmm. you know, and learning how to do things that cause you to come to the top of searches. Correct. I think to add to that, this would be hashtags are your friend and tagging is your friend as well. Because like you said, driving that traffic and taking your ministry into spaces or vice versa that otherwise people would not know or to know to engage in or be a part of. And that's all a part of the strategy of, again, that algorithm being your friend and connecting you and your ministry in these different spaces. I'd like to touch on the excitement that you just demonstrated, Adrian. Um, <laughs> I think it's important because... You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that has a notoriously short attention span. If I'm like excited about something, I'm all in. If I'm not, I'm all out very quickly. Ditto. So, <laughs> so when I hear like SEO together, I'm like, all right, uh, let me go get a snack. What like, I, it don't excite me like that. But you like came alive. So yeah. can you just talk about what it is about not even just SEO, but this type of work helping congregations get noticed or put themselves out there more that really brings you to life? And maybe other people will know why they could be excited about it, too. Yeah, you know, everything I do from a secular point of view, I really think all of that equips me to be a better minister. I think all of that has given me secular training to actually impact what I do from a ministerial point of view and what really is my passion. Mm -hmm. So ministry is my passion. You know, I am an associate pastor. I am a preacher. I'm a teacher. But, you know, 
no one ever really knows that because in the secular world, <laughs> I, I do what I'm supposed to do, right? <laughs> but it never takes away from what my heart is. You know, I understand the, the throes of running ministry. I understand the throes of managing a congregation. I understand the throes of what it means to serve your congregation and still have a passion to still witness and draw souls and to still do what Jesus commissioned us to do, right? I get that. And I haven't stepped away from from that. And I think what I'm being exposed to from a secular nature helps me better equip myself to be present. You know, we're challenging the word that we become all things to all people so that we might win some, right? And so part of that becoming all things is understanding what are the gateways to certain people? What are the gateways to what people are doing? And how do we need to not modify our message in the sense that we're stepping away from the truth of the word, but how do we package what we're sending to people so that it's in a position so that people can be exposed to it? And if we are living in today's time and don't realize that people are operating in digital spaces, then one, we're not really aware of how digitized things are around about us. So we got to, one, become aware of just how digitized things are around us. And then we got to get to the point that once we realize that, how do I then now take what I do so that it lives in that spaces and I don't die out? You know, so many congregations are dying out, not because their word isn't effective, but they're not in positions to realize how I need to package so that it becomes relatable and digestible and how people are consuming now. And so that's why I got excited, right? <laughs> because there's so many things that we can do to connect people. Um, some of them paid, but then there's so much that's mm-hmm. out there that's free. 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 <laughs> and it's about really being in a position to manage that. And let's say, for instance, let's say I am the senior pastor who's listening to this and I don't have the aptitude for it, or I don't have the time to do it because I'm really the one who calls and goes to the hospital. And I, you know, I think what the Bible really shows us in the apostles appointing disciples is being able to find those people who do well in those spaces and empower them mm-hmm. to take that messaging. So there may be a pastor here who is not digitally savvy, but I'm awakening you to what's out there so that maybe you can uncover somebody in your congregation who is and you can employ them. Or maybe you can use this to actually go employ maybe an outside agency, but you're more direct in yeah. terms of your expectation of what you need them to deliver for you. Either is fine, but you do need to know that, hey, I do need to maximize my storefront, for lack of a better terminology, in the digital space. And now that things are shifting in the meta universe, right? It started on meta. (laughs) (laughs) In the metaverse. So, yeah, okay. So this, this for you touches on the deep passion that you have for ministry. That makes complete sense. Didi, I'm going to throw the question to you as well. You mentioned you're similar to me in that you're either like all the way in on something or you are you can leave it all the way alone. <laughs> so what are the things about this work, this topic that really light that fire inside you? I think it's that same passion that has actually connected Adrian and I in friendship and ministry in the fields that we serve. Everything he said, it was stirring my joy as well because I echo that passion And that serving people in this space, when you understand the outcome being well beyond the day-to-day or the physical space, but the spiritual impact that it has, the ministry impact that it has, 
for churches, for leaders, for individuals, and how to explore you know, this space that is new to many, if you will, and how to help them to expound upon that. I love being creative. I love strategy. I love execution. I love the outcomes that come through this work in what some deem as ministry in the marketplace or non-traditional approach to ministry. And I've spent a lot more time in ministry than I have in this field as it relates to media and marketing and so forth. But it has been that time, like Adrian mentioned, you know, from the secular perspective that has aided in being able to bring the tools and the resources and the information to inform this space in ministry. And it makes a difference. You know, it helps us. It stretches us to grow and to be open minded as well as open hearted when we come alongside congregations and ministries and faith leaders and community leaders to do this work, to be able to come alongside them and to guide them and help them in this. And knowing that the outcome is that it's helped to connect someone to Christ foremost, but also to a ministry and to help. I don't find anything more rewarding than kingdom work. And so to be able to contribute to that and to help to inform people and to help them, you know, discover those treasures, as Adrian said, that are either in the house or more accessible than ministries may know and helping them to, of course, be mindful and conscientious when it comes to, you know, the stewardship of the investment, but really helping them to understand the return of that investment when it comes to, you know, if it's a human resource or again, being able to invest in programming or equipment or the things that you need in this space is just a wonder when people I see working with them and they go from maybe the reservation or the fear, but we are able to get them to that joy that Adrian displayed <laughs> as well that you heard from us. That is rewarding to help make people move to that space and getting them connected in that kingdom work, you know, moving them from the impossible to the possibilities that are limitless when they enter into this digital evangelism space. Yeah, I'll say this and then we got at least one more technical question I think we want to ask y'all before we wrap. <laughs> but I hear you both talking about being able to be generative in this work and using kind of digital media spaces for congregations as tools to generate, to create, to enhance engagement, build community. And those things are really exciting. And so I really appreciate y'all just naming what brings you to life about this work. And for any minister or lay leader listening, I wanted them to talk about that so that y'all can find what brings you to life. You know, maybe tech isn't your thing. Maybe digital media isn't really up your alley. Maybe this ain't your thing. However, if you can find like where it does tap into your passion and work from that place, mm -hmm. I think you're going to be much more effective in adapting to this digital arena that we're all in or this metaverse that we're entering into, Adrian, from your earlier point. For sure. For sure. And I appreciate that comment, Ben, because it has moved people from no tech to, you know, low tech. <laughs> even or, you know, high tech, if you will. And, you know, the discoveries of that and understanding the necessities and just how this is a lifeline for many ministries. I was in conversation with another pastor and they had done a church growth study. 
and they were evaluating the demographics and the age groups of their ministry and said, you know, we have to focus in this leadership development space, but also we have to look at the digital space. We have to go where people are because they were looking at the demographic of their church, which just turned 155 years old. And they have a lot of people who are lifetime members. And as Adrian had mentioned earlier, this pandemic with them having an older congregation that was in the 55 to 65 and up range, they adapted. They learned how to use social media and streaming and getting a Facebook account and using the phone lines for daily devotion and prayer and Sunday school and such. But the pastor, what it came to the realization was through the study that said, hey, we're really top heavy on this end and this is great and people are adapting and pivoting. But when I look at the growth of the church, when I look at the next five to 10 years, if we don't have a strategy, if we don't start developing leaders, if we don't engage in this digital space and making these connections, this is a church that could die out. And so, you know, you come to those realities and I think the pandemic has pushed people to reflect in that regard and how to be better prepared. You know, we did not anticipate or know we'd come into a pandemic, right? And it would be for almost two years. So I think and I hope that ministries have taken advantage of this time to do that evaluation, to do that reflection. My pastor mentions a book, and forgive me, I can't call the author, but it says, what got you here won't get you there. And so you have to be able to always grow and always be willing to change and to try. And that doesn't mean you have to master everything in this digital space, but what is it that you can focus on and do and do well and do with excellence and do unto the Lord or according to your faith? What can we do in this ministry space to not be stagnant, but continue to grow and to learn and to reach? And I think when that becomes the focus, you help ministries to continue to not just survive in this time, but you thrive as well. So that would be my encouragement to any ministers or lay people listening. Explore, be willing to try and to grow. Most of all, again, not to survive in ministry, but to thrive in ministry and embrace the pivot, embrace the possibilities and again, extend your reach with your hands and your heart to these virtual spaces. That's good. Thank you, Didi. Thank you. Well, as we come close to the end of our time here, just one last question for each of you. For those who might be paralyzed by the idea of digital and social media and things like that, I'm just curious for each of you, what is just kind of one modest next step that a congregation can take to get them started in the process of really thinking, dreaming, planning, and doing? Hmm, great question. I'll yield to Adrian since I just finished the comment. I'll let you start. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know, well, I think one of the first things they can do is actually connect with you, the Center for Congregations. I think you have done a good job of trying to provide resources. You know, obviously, if they're listening to this podcast, they're engaged. But I think you've done a good job of trying to provide resources, whether that be through information sessions or the resources that you provide on your websites and your areas. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing they can do. I think the next thing that they can do is many of these platforms that we're talking about, 
they actually give free information sessions on themselves. LinkedIn offers free information sessions. Twitter offer free. Facebook, they all have free information sessions. And then you can also just do a search. You can do a Google search <laughs> or whatever search engine you prefer. You can do a search and oftentimes they will lay it out. There's so many people who are out there who are willing to do what we're doing and provide that information. We just kind of go look it up and go from there. And I think once you digest all of that information that's there, because there's a lot out there, right? It's about really now seeing where you fit there. Because you know, everybody listening to this podcast are across the spectrum. So I don't want to make sure I minimize someone who's at another level than another person. But I think once you digest all that information is see where you are there. Really take note of who you are. What is the characteristic of my ministry? What's the characteristic of my congregation? What are the things that I want to highlight specifically about who we are? Again, I know you service all people, but many of us have certain things that are our hearts and passion, and that needs to be at the center of your conversation. And I think once you start looking at that, you can start to learn how to align what's available to you with respect to what you want to say. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many things. I think, you know, just do a good search, take advantage of some of the free resources. In my email, like I sign up for a lot of ministry letters. I'm always getting emails from certain ministry letters and they're always sending just free things for me to just pause, digest and see where it fits. So there's a lot mm -hmm. that's out there. I think it's about making yourself available to those things. Awesome. Thanks, Adrian. I would add to that because I always frame churches and this particular audience that they are in the business, if you will, of people and that care and that consideration of people. And I think that is where you start with. Start one with prayer. Ask for strategy. Ask for creativity. Ask for reimagining, reimagination, ask for resources, ask for boldness and courage. And then with that, form a team. Look and find out who you have in the house, who you have access to that you're connected to through relationships, resources, and leveraging those partnerships to learn, to grow. And this is definitely where you want to be diverse when it comes to, you know, backgrounds, age, demographic, include your youth, your young adults, make it an intergenerational effort to group process through how to engage in this space and those discoveries. And again, really evaluating your ministry Looking at your ministry, who you're trying to reach, who do you have, and then who are you trying to reach? How do you want to grow? Where do you see your ministry again in that next five years, that next 10 years? Where do you see your ministry going or regrouping or headed, you know, post-pandemic, you know, as we pray for reintegration and safely and making that turn again? Planning, again, praying, planning, utilizing people. And again, having the courage and being open to embrace it as a beautiful adventure to learn 
and to grow and to reach. To me, there's no such thing as a failure. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you try something else, but you keep reaching until you come to what is suited for your ministry and to help guide your ministry in the vision and the mission of the church. And if you line up there, it's going to work out. It's going to be amazing. And you will have kingdom impact because you keep first things first. And that's by keeping people first and the outcome in mind. And again, praying strategy and doing it together. Thank you both for being here today, for sharing your insight and your passion. We really appreciate that. For those that want to learn more about your work, where are the best places for them to find out about you and to engage with you? Well, thank you so much, Ben and Matt. And again, the Center for Congregations for having us. Always a blessing, always a pleasure. I could do this a million times over. So you all can connect with Kingdom Solution. Again, I'm Dee Dee Gray or Deetra Gray. And you can connect with us at mykingdomsolution.com. And also by email, you can contact me at Dee Dee, D-E-E, D-E-E at mykingdomsolution.com. And my team and myself would love to work with you and your congregation or your organization. Thank you again, Didi, Matt, Ben. This has been fun. I really appreciate this. Like Didi, I can go on and on. <laughs> yes. You pull it out of me, I'm yes. sure I can deliver it. <laughs> so I'm right. excited. But you can reach out to me. I personally am on all digital spaces at Mr. A. Warren, M-R- A-W-A-R-R-E-N. So in most social spaces, you can search me there. I have a personal website that is mrawarren.com. I can be emailed at vesselentertainment at yahoo.com. And that would direct messages to me and either myself or someone who works with me will definitely respond. And then we can decide, you know, are you looking for me? Are you looking for my mini hats that I wear? We can make sure we direct you to the right lane and get you what you need, but definitely want to be here to help you and want to help you accomplish what you need to accomplish through whatever resources I have. Thank you. And I must, how did I leave out my social, right? We've been talking about that. All this time. <laughs> but on Facebook and Instagram, if I may, you can reach us at My Kingdom Solution. My Kingdom Solution on Facebook and Instagram. You can direct message us there. And then, of course, on the website has all the contact information and even a consultation form for you to fill out. You can explore all the different services and supports that, that we provide. And again, I would love, love, love to connect with you all. Thank you both. Thank you. Coming out of that conversation that we had with Adrian and Didi, Matt, what stood out to you? One of the main things that stood out to me was Adrian's passion about this, because I think it's easy for each of us to universalize our own experience and think that if we don't like something or if we don't understand something, that no one likes it or no one understands it. Mm -hmm. And SEO is definitely not something that I'm excited about. But like you, when I heard that that was going to be the topic of the Ed event that they did for us and, you know, when I thought about bringing them on, to the podcast, I thought, you know, this is going to be a real snoozer. <laughs> but 
But his excitement, and especially how he sees the applicability of this for congregations and how useful it is, gave me some energy around the topic as well. And so I think just kind of one key takeaway for me is people who are listening to the podcast, those of you out there, just remember that there are people in your congregation that are passionate about and interested in things that are very beneficial that you may not even be aware out there. I mean, I think I've talked about my passion for spreadsheets. <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> yes. how much I loved Excel until I got into a job that I started using Excel to track things and pay attention to data. And like, I absolutely love Excel, but I was in my, probably my thirties before I knew that, right? So there are all kinds of people in your congregations who have skills and abilities that you may not even be aware of and have a passion, and they would love to use that for your congregation. It just takes a little bit of, number one, knowing those passions, but number two, a little bit of imagination in how to plug them into the life of the congregation and using their skills and talents. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I stand with all the listeners listening right now when we say how heartbroken we are that you had to wait so long before encountering your true love, Excel. Right? So we feel for you, Matt. We feel for you. <laughs> I mean, formulas and cell designations and colors and mm. VLOOKUPs. What's, what's not to love? And forget pivot tables. I, forget pivot tables. Make your own. Make your own formulas. I've never even heard of a pivot table, so they are forgotten. <laughs> he really does love Excel, folks. There is another coworker on staff whom y'all got to experience in episode nine of season three, Kelly Minaz. She also loves her some Excel, so Matt is at least not alone in his love on staff. We have at times called one another because we're excited about some new feature that we figured out or new formula that we figured out in Excel and are just really impressed with ourselves. So I'm glad y'all found each other. <laughs> Uh, but like you, both Adrian and Didi's passion showed up, I think it stood out to me. And, and really what it reminded me of is that it's not even just about SEO. It's not about the promise of digital markets and growth. For both of them, it's about ministry, right? It's about touching mm -hmm. people, impacting people, doing so in service of their faith. And that's the bottom line. These are just tools and paths they travel to do that work, but they're able to kind of take the work that they're doing, adapt to the times and bring that all back to the reason they started doing what they're doing in the first place. And I think that is what is fueling their passion. And I love that because that is something that's universal. That's something that I think most folks, especially those that are in ministry, you can tap into at some point. Like, you know why you got in there. You know what parts of ministry bring you alive. You know the vision you have. And so if you can remember those things and find ways to start from there and to meet change, to meet adaptation through that lens, at least for me, it makes it a bit easier to do the hard stuff, the boring stuff, through the inconvenient stuff, because I can bring it back to my why. And so I love that they were able to articulate that in their interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so interesting that each of them, hopefully it came through in the interview, just how many hats each of them wear. Yeah. And not only are they involved in, you know, the so-called secular space, but then using their gifts, talents, skills, and abilities in the congregational space as well. And isn't that what we need and what we want is mm -hmm. people bringing their whole selves. So not only bringing their faith to the workplace, but bringing their workplace to the congregation and figuring out ways to benefit the congregation. My hope coming out of this interview is that people will take a look at SEO and just try to understand it a little bit more. You know, it may not end up being this big cumbersome set of changes that you enact. It may just be small tweaks here or there, a set of practices and policies that you change just to even slightly improve your SEO or to slightly improve where you're showing up in a search. That can make a difference, you know, being in spot 10 versus spot seven and versus spot five. So, you know, know that there are levels to this and you don't have to be perfect at it, but we hope you'll take a look at it and just 
check out what you're doing and see where even those small improvements can be made. That matters too. Yeah, absolutely. And we also know that this is just such a narrow slice of digital media that's out there. And, you know, the interview ranged across a lot of different topics. So we're choosing to focus specifically on SEO just as one sliver of that, because that's how people can find your congregation. And with that, we'll move into resources. And I've got several articles that I'll include in the resources link in the show notes about SEO. But one specifically that I found is from Captera. Captera is a really interesting organization in general that helps nonprofits and even congregations find good software resources. And they've got a good search database, good search engine for that kind of thing. They do comparisons of features. So Captera, number one, is a resource in and of itself. But then I found an article within Captera of six church SEO best practices to get your church found in search. And again, search engine optimization is somebody goes to Google and they type in Methodist Church near me. And if you're a Methodist Church within that zip code, are you the first thing that pops up or are you not? And there are ways that you can make it so that you are the first thing that pops up. And if you remember our interview with Manuel Corasari, he even named his church specifically because the web search for his geographic area will likely bring his church up as the first option in the menu. So that's search engine optimization. And so there are six best practices. Some of these are a little bit in depth. So you're probably going to need to speak to the person who handles your website and work with them to get this done. Or if you are using an organization, maybe talk with the organization about SEO. And there are organizations that you can hire also for SEO. So there are definitely places and people out there who know and understand this really well and can do this for you. But they're just six basic best practices, especially in Google search. And we'll make sure that that's in the show notes. Really practical. Some of it's a little in-depth, so you may need a little bit of knowledge and maybe have to do a little bit more work and research, but it's really helpful information. Yeah, thanks for bringing that, Matt. As someone who's not an expert in this stuff, having those kind of bite-sized, tangible, practical pieces of information are always really helpful. So thank you for that. I kind of brought out an oldie but a goodie and just bringing it back to live streaming. Not that this episode was explicitly about live streaming, but I think that live streaming is connected tangentially to the topic at hand. Because when you're looking at search engine optimization, search engines are going to look at kind of how interconnected your social media is with your website. And so depending upon what platform you're using for live stream, I think that can help affect your optimization in some way, shape, or form, especially if you're embedding the live stream on your website directly versus just housing it in your social media page. And so I like this website because it's 14 different options for live streaming. The website is Oberlo. Matt, I think you put this on the CRG actually. So it just lists 14 different platforms or pieces of software that you can use, tells you whether it's free or not, how much it costs per month, and the bonuses, the pluses and minuses of using each potential software feature. So as you're thinking about retweaking your live streaming, thinking about experimenting with new things and trying to understand if you want this to live on social media or your website, just check out this article. I think it's a good jumping off place for you to continue to process and update your live streaming policies and procedures. Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's good to know that there are just a lot of different options and opportunities out there for live streaming. And just a reminder to folks, too, that there is a correlation between live streaming and social media as well in terms of taking small bite-sized pieces of your live stream content and turning those into social media posts. So you're not having to start from scratch. And so it's just the reusing of content across multiple channels is definitely something that can be done and a lot of folks are doing. So definitely an option to really maximize the content that you're doing. I mean, you know, each clergy member of a congregation, you're creating an entire worship experience every week. 
And it's a shame that that doesn't get translated then into other types of resources and get reused, but it's just kind of gone in the ether. And this is an opportunity to use that content in other ways and to get it out into the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate y'all listening today. As always, we want to thank the generosity of the Lilly Endowment for making not only this podcast, but the broader work that we do throughout Indiana and the country possible. So thank you for your support. We also want to thank Jaden Lee, who edits the podcast, and you'll also hear the original music is all Jaden, so he's a very talented individual. We appreciate your work with us as well, Jaden. Absolutely. We hope that you'll take a moment to find us on iTunes. You can follow us there, and if you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating and review. That is absolutely the fastest way for new listeners to find us. So you've heard us say this every week. Please take five seconds, find us on iTunes, leave us that five-star rating. We'd love to see those ratings jump up so new people can find this content and improve their congregations. And we would also love to hear from you directly. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. We'd love to hear feedback. If you, there are segments that you particularly like, segments that you particularly don't like, topics that you'd like us to cover, guests that you would like us to have, we would absolutely love to hear from you. And Ben and I do watch that inbox, so we're the ones who will respond to it. We're just, we're just regular, regular people. So please email us. We really want to hear your feedback on the flow and structure of the podcast. As we think about making different changes and tweaking things, it's great to know what you think is really working and what you think might not be working or could be improved upon. So if you've got opinions about how things might flow better, something you want to see, a segment you want us to try even, please send us an email at podcast.centerforcongregations.org or hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, full transparency. Ben is getting bored with the format. He really likes change. I do. I love and change. So if you if you have thoughts, help Ben me. would love to hear them. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. And finally we want to do our geographical shout out. We're gonna keep this one close to home. So to yes. the we had eight downloads the week of November twenty eighth through December fourth from Bloomington, Indiana. So those that are listening yes. in Bloomington, thank you. We see you. We feel you. We feel seen and heard by you. And we appreciate your support. Continue listening. If you're hearing this from Bloomington, send us an email at podcast at centerforcongregations.org with the headline or subject line, A Whole New World. That way we know it's you. (laughs) All right. Well, for the Center for Congregations, thanks for listening. I'm Matt Burke. And I'm Ben Tapper. Have a great day, y'all. 